This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it, oh, deflection, and a goal! Goes to Mitchell, it's another goal! Incredible hobble! break out the match stats shall we possession 50% each shots Swindon 12 MK Dons 9 shots on target 3 each corners 5 to Swindon 1 to MK Dons that's the real quiz hello Terry up the positive reds hey hey look that the the numbers don't lie but Rob goes on to say I'm concerned the green shoots of recovery may in fact, have been Japanese, not weed. And I think Rob might be onto something here. Yeah, two points from, from another, a possible 12 since um, we were all told by our beloved chairman that we just needed to have a positive mindset to get out of this league. Mm, yeah, and it must be said, the, the mindset of the fans in the ground during the actual game time is very, very good. Uh, they tried their best in the second half to... Uh, get the town moving a little bit more. It might be just for their own benefit because that second half, well, 40 minutes of it was pretty woof. But Terry, how are you? I'm all right, Rich. I haven't done a pod for ages. Um, if, if I sound, I mean, I've not been well for a week or so. So if I sound like I drank eight pints of Guinness last night, it's because I did. <laughs> I have a cold too. But um, thank you, Terry, for stepping up because as we hurtle 
towards the end of the season, it's getting hard and hard to get people to do these pods. Yeah, it's tricky though, Rich, isn't it? Because, you know, what do you um what do you come on and say? Like other than you know, Dan would always have um his blow by blow of the game to sort of fall back on and that that's his style and, and, and that's that that's lovely and he's very good at it. But unless you do that, it's sort of the themes are recurring, aren't they, unfortunately? But yeah, there you go. How are you anyway? You good? Yeah, I'm okay. The last few weeks in terms of going to Swindon games has been an absolute dream, except for the actual football, the results, because public transport has really done me a good service, despite my complaining that I realised I'd spent £350 on uh, following Swindon on transport alone this season. Woof, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Yeah, especially when I only live in Bristol. It's not as if I, you know, when I think of the uh, how much petrol the, the Scottish Reds put into their car on a yearly basis, I just go from Bristol to, to Swindon and it's still clocking up those sort of figures. We do our bit. We more than do our bit, Rich. I am, I'm off to Mansfield in a couple of weeks for my first game in a while. I believe our, our German residing enthusiastic contributor is, is making the journey as well and you know, to be very transparent, I'm only going because it's a new ground for me, which seems to be my um, my 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 deciding factor currently. But you know, the the the, the fans are still there. The fans are still there, and um, nearly nine thousand there yesterday, a half decent number from MK to be fair to them. And it's just um, was it was it eight seven in the in the ground, Rich? You were there. I always I always struggle to to make that judgment. The way the only way I can do it is. Where I sit, there's usually quite a few spaces yeah. and there were people around us. Not as much as the last game, but there still are. And it is the McCurdy factor, I think, because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was getting a little bit, not irate, that's not fair, but there was this one guy behind me just for the whole first 60 minutes, just talking about McCurdy, McCurdy, when's McCurdy going to come on? McCurdy, McCurdy, McCurdy. He comes on, he, he does a few things but not much but he can you know he gets booked for descent almost gets booked again for descent but he can do no wrong and those are the words he's saying I'm just sat there going is this what we've become uh, but we've only got one more game before it sounds like McCurdy can start starting so um, hopefully that means those fans and we do need them uh, continue to uh, come through the turnstiles yeah good for them I suppose but there we go yeah so let's, let's get let's get cracking yeah, you, you quite rightly point out that Dan has his methodology. The way we're going to do it in this episode is lean towards a few listeners' contributions um, and and talk lightly because we all, everyone who watched that, we don't really need a blow-by-blow blow to go through that again. I don't think it's fair on any one of us, but it was another squad rotation, which is kind of funny, really, because... We spent the first half of the season bemoaning our lack of depth and now we're sort of spending it asking why are we making so much changes. But that's that's the way we're, we're at at the moment. At the In goal, Jack Bycroft at the back, Godwin, Malife, McCarthy, Blake Tracy and Kokolo, McEachran and Khan just ahead, McGurk in, in the old Kemp role and then up front, well, on the wings, Hepburn, Murphy and Glatzel with Drinnen coming in. So Drinnen, Hepburn, Murphy and Khan coming in for Austin Devoy who couldn't play because... He plays for MK Dons and Kane, who came off in the first half at Ginningham. Michael says, tactics and starting lineup all wrong. Hepburn, Murphy and Drinnen were really poor. We looked much better without Khan last Tuesday. A lot of the LS Pods contributors were really looking forward to Aaron Drinnen and were calling for his uh, place in the side. 
so it's it it happened. What was the what was the working for this? Minutes, I suppose, Rich. That seems to be the buzzword at the moment, doesn't it? Um Aaron Drillen looks like a stunt double for Charlie Austin. Um so if you sort of squint, it sort of looks a little bit like like Charlie Austin until he starts to try and play football, and then the then the differences become very apparent. The, the, I don't have a I don't have a huge issue with um with with the rotation at the top of the pitch. I don't really have a huge issue with the shape. I think I think when when it's done well, that four two three one can, can work really really well. But you've got to have a solid base to build from, and also like. Let's be clear. Yesterday, we didn't lose the game be- because we rotated our options up top. We lost the game because defensively we were horrific, and there was probably four or five individual performances that you could go keep on them and give them a one out of ten. Genuinely, there was some there were some absolute horror shows, and my, and none of them were at the top end of the pitch. So I'm sort of loath to. Um, I think that sort of. I think we are over rotating a little bit, and it does stink a little bit of just just throwing everything on when you need a goal, rather than thinking about it sensibly. But I still, it, it's not our biggest issue. It hasn't been our biggest issue all season. We've had a transfer window where we've not addressed our biggest issues. We have a coach. I was going to say coaching setup, but I'm not going to call it that because it's not a coaching setup. We have two. Co- we have a team of two coaches who. Have, don't have the skill or experience to fix the obvious issues, and therefore we it's just Groundhog Day every week. It doesn't matter what you do, you, you're just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic by rearranging those forwards. Unfortunately, and as uh, Gavin Gunning would say, well, that's football. It is what it is. Yeah, and League Two shit. <laughs> oh dearie me. So yeah. I think I think I agree with you. I love the uh, the comparison to Austin in terms of squinting your eyes. You're absolutely spot on, and I love that fact more so because the squad numbers are 32 and 23. So really? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you could put you could put Drinan in a 32 shirt and send him on, and I would think it was Austin until the ball went near him. I think a lot of people think he's he is the replacement for Austin next season. Would you think that's a fair assumption? You don't have direct replacements in squads, but. If if you want to sort of go down that route, then and that's the sort of downgrading quality. And I'm not writing Aaron Drinnen off. I just he's just not done anything yet to suggest that he's going to be a success here. And it's very early days, of course. Mm-hmm. But but we we every transfer window we play scrap heap challenge, and he's what we've come up with this week. Um, if he is the, the the if he is Plan A next year, then I'll add that to the list of reasons why I think we're going to go down. Okay, okay. Well, no matter what you or I or anybody thinks about. Gavin Gunning's prospects as a head coach, it's got to be incredibly frustrating to see those goals. I found myself awkwardly, (laughs) I found myself thinking, gosh, how is he going to try and attribute this to lack of focus when we concede in the fourth and eighth minute? We'll start with the first one, which it's an error by Conor McCarthy, who was the great saviour of our defensive line over the last few games, man of the match every game. Still got some man man of the match shouts for this performance, but he is 50-50 at fault for this goal, I think, with Jack Bycroft. Jack Bycroft's got to come out quicker, but McCarthy knows he's just got to get rid of it. And if he hurts Bycroft along the way, then so be it, because it is an absolute horror show of a goal to concede. And in the opening few minutes, we looked okay. I know it's only three minutes, Terry, but we looked fine. We looked settled. It was not sort of crazy. It wasn't It wasn't gung-ho. And then we go and do that. Oh, just... Just 
your favourite phrase of bazooka yourself in the foot, isn't it? It's just, what are you doing? What are you doing? I, I, just on that goal, there is a wider point here with um, Bycroft. I, I think on the limited viewing that I've, I've seen of him, I think he has huge potential. Um, I love the fact that he's, you know, he's, he's a local boy. He clearly is really enjoying playing for the club. And, and I think he's got all the ingredients to go on and have a really good career, hopefully with us. I think his ceiling is higher than Mahoney's, purely from a physical point of view. My one issue with him, and and it, it's fun, funny, I don't think it's with him, I think it's with um, Lord Mildenhall, which, so I'm going to tread carefully here, because I, you know, I don't really know this for sure, but I have an issue with our goalkeeper's starting positions. I'm, I think, and I think we've spoken about this before, and Tyler is a big proponent of this as well within the LS pod community. Um, our starting, Mildenhall likes his goalkeepers starting quite deep, deeper than most modern uh, modern clubs start their goalkeepers. And I think it just creates issues. And I've noticed with Bycroft three or four times now, he hasn't got the the sort of nimbleness off the line that um, that, that Mahoney had. And he's, and he's almost been caught two or three times with a deep, a combination of a deep starting position and a sort of sluggish first yard, and yesterday, yesterday it happened, and we got we got we got caught because if he's if he starts five yards higher at the pitch, that issue goes away. Um, he just he's just there to collect the ball. That said, I think McCarthy there is is more at fault. If there if there's any doubt that the ball isn't going to reach him, just put your foot through it. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Conor McCarthy a little bit? Please do go. First time I've been on since he's been in the building, and I'm I. I I understand why he's been lauded, lauded so much. Um, I've watched every game. He is absolutely fine, and I think it, we were starting from such a low, such a low point at, for centre halves that he is very quickly sort of. I think we're over indexing on on how good he is um, purely because he's a capable human. He's a fully grown adult playing centre half, which, which which is refreshing to see. You know, he's he's very obviously a League Two standard centre half. That's great, um, but I, I, we are we we still have only taken two points from twelve games. We are still conceding two goals a game. Not a great deal has changed defensively, even though it might look a little bit more solid. And so I, I really don't want us to sort of be like just chalking up like, oh, job done. We're much better at the back now. We're really not. I, I agree in so much as I don't think we have any superstars in our lineup. I don't think we have players that will look back on in 10 years time and go, wow, I think this is this is the level of, of the squad where, you know, Austin will have his first spell legacy and people will talk about Austin's second spell as he worked really hard, still scored goals in a terrible team. And I think that's as much as we'll ever talk about this squad generally. And Conor McCarthy will fall under that. Conor McCarthy isn't going to be joining us next year. Barnsley have sent us, sent us McCarthy for him to get minutes, get his fitness back. And, well, if they go up... He's not going to play in the championship, so maybe get another get get another move elsewhere in League One or elsewhere in the UK, what have you. I think he he is better than what we've had, and one person isn't enough. And this is where you we go back to your point at the top of the pod where we didn't address all the issues um, with the Swindon Town squad. And you can't 
bring one person. It's just like last season, you can't bring Austin in and think that's it, playoffs ahoy. It's it's no different, and the same is happening with McCurdy. You know, you can't just bring a couple ingredients in. You've got to have all the ingredients to to bake the right cake. Yeah, and you've also got to have systems and structure to uh, structure to put you know to, to put the right team out in the right mindset, with in the right physicality, in the right mental and and, and physical health. They've got to been tra- been training properly all week. You know, I don't know, Rich. Like we've gone off, we're going off a massive tangent all the time, and that's, that's just the way it goes. But we haven't spoken for a few weeks, and I, it, football isn't. There is always an element of luck in professional sport, but ultimately, the ninety minutes on a Saturday is a manifestation of everything you do all week. Right? Any athlete will tell you that. You, you don't win a game of football or win the 100 metres or win a game of tennis or, or win, win a round of golf or any any sport in that moment. You win it every single second that you're working towards it. And therefore, you know, why do you think clubs spend money on training grounds? Why do you think they spend money on rehab centres, on gyms, on plunge pools, on staff? We don't have any staff, Rich. Like, we are... We are not putting the... We, we've got a bunch of average League 2 footballers and we are also not giving them any of the conditions for success. We're not putting them in any environment that is success. You can't just have a PowerPoint sh- slideshow that says a few buds words. I don't remember what they are. What are they? Industrious, humi- uh, humility, passion, whatever they are. Pride, passion, belief. Sounds like a crap tattoo that someone got in IB for 2006. You can't. That that doesn't. That's not culture. I am. I'm, I'm a big, big believer in workplace culture. I've studied it a lot, and I've worked at a lot of sort of scale up and start up businesses that lean into this a lot. You know, similar businesses into the size that Swindon that Swindon Town is as a company, and I've seen it done badly, and I've seen it done well. When it's done badly, your club culture is just three buzzwords spray painted by the local graffiti artist onto your boardroom bare brick wall. And it doesn't inform behaviours. It doesn't inform anything. And that f- sort of feels like what we're doing. We talk about culture all the time, but nothing, No, there's no behaviour that suggests those cultures are being used and created. But how do you expect these players to go out and win? They don't have a first-team coach. They don't have, a, they don't have an assistant manager. I don't think they currently have a full-time physio, but you need to get back to me on that because I don't, we're advertising for one. But if you look at, it, 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 I think it was um, Rob on the town end who, forum who, who makes a lot of points, to be fair to him, um, a lot of good points. MK Dons, you look at their bench and there was they had, they had so many staff that they had to sort of get some emergency seating and put it next to the bench, right? And you looked at ours and we've got, we don't have a manager, we don't have an assistant manager, we have a coach and an analyst and a goalkeeper coach, and that's it. That's it. And and we go on about how we want to develop young players, how we want to unearth um, the value in the market in released players from under 23s. And yet we don't have any coaches. We don't have a training ground. We don't play any friendlies or reserve team games. So you're, you're saying one thing, but you're not doing any action that suggests you're actually taking that seriously. Yeah. Where does that leave us? It leaves us losing games of football on a Saturday because 90 minutes is a manifestation of everything you do all week. And we aren't doing anything at an elite level. We're just not. 
fine points well made and i think that that goes into even sort of the for want of a better phrase less important elements of swindon town's operation when after bradford you know we're, we're being told we've got to reset our mindset we've got les caffrey coming on social media giving it the big guns we've got jamie russell being more on the scene we've got the the club socials banging out what they can and then every time we lose it all the shutters come down and we're left to fester in our own thoughts and so forth and and they don't own it they don't you know they just disappear and lie low until the next win and we win a game and you can guarantee all those individuals will be present in the moment lapping up the the attention and and the engagement and that's also not a way to operate exactly you know we'll we'll what are we with two points from 12 at the moment we'll lose at Stockport on Saturday so that's two from 15 We've got, is it Aldershot at home after that? Aldershot, God, I hope not. It's, it's Tramier. Well, we've got Tramier at home. We'll we'll play badly. One will go in off McCurdy's arse in the 93rd minute. It'll be a great moment. Everyone will be happy. And Jamie Russell will be all over BBC Sounds next week saying about how we've, he's built humility and industriousness and honesty or whatever those words are and about how we're building a culture. It's, it's <laughs> The only culture we have at this club is a culture of under-resourcing hiring inexperienced people in every, not just the footballing department, in every department of the club, and ultimately penny-pinching so that we turn into a zombie club that's going one direction. As simple as that. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And I know that's tough for many people to hear, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit more depth later on. Um, Stephen Wern's first career goals in the EFL, with the league anyway. Uh, we just keep giving to that football club, don't we? Um, let's talk about the second goal very briefly, because... It doesn't deserve the time of day. Oh, my goodness. It's a lovely cross. But again, williams Cocolo has to do better there. Yeah. And and, and again, I, I said there was four or five individuals that had a one out of ten. And um, I was going to say your friend of mine, but I, I wouldn't class him as a friend. Uh, williams Cocolo has just had an absolutely, absolute disaster. I think... He's been disastrous for weeks now, and 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 it and it peaked yesterday in that moment. And next thing you know, we're two 0 down after eight minutes, and we're all talking about older shot and whatever. Um, luckily, MK Don's just couldn't really be asked after the tenth minute, which worked for us. Um, but yeah, it just it just it was just a crap goal to concede again, wasn't it? Rich? It's just so easy. We we don't, we don't compete. We, 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 it's embarrassing. It is. It is. I agree. And that is all horrific. Those four minutes. Absolutely horrific. But the reason why I enjoyed the remainder of the first half as a spectator, somebody who's left my house in Bristol, travelled to Swindon to watch a game, is there was attempts. Swindon did move forward. They made with no threats, really. We wanted a penalty for a handball. It looked like a penalty from where I was sat. But, I mean, I'm going to have to lean towards anyone in the chateau because I haven't seen any replays of it since. It was also kind of nice watching MK Dons play football because we've had a couple of weeks of the big guy up front lump it towards Matt Smith, who, who orchestrates the attack by just deciding where he wants to head it. But to watch footballers play football was was just really, really nice. And and what was kind of very frustrating is some of those players should be in Swindon shirts. But for whatever reason, we decided they they weren't the future. Yeah. I, I, and look, I don't want to... To be clear, Rich, I sat and watched the whole game. I, I enjoyed the first half um, with you. Like it was, the, the opening goals are frustrating to concede, obviously. But ultimately, we all... You know the reason we do this podcast, the reason we go and think about this club every day, and 
talk about this club all the time is because we really we, we just really love football. Um, football is life. So we um, of course like that. That's an enjoyable game to sit and watch. And if you if you it's a ridiculous thing to say if you take those eight minutes out, the first half was was fine. It was it was you you had a a very good team playing within themselves because they because they could but still looking very good in in moments and you had you had a team in Swindon that that sort of it was almost as if like you could see what they were trying to do but they couldn't do it if that makes sense um i think i, I think Khan is probably the great the, the the sort of greatest example of that in the first half where he had had moments of clarity where he looked really good and you could see exactly what we were trying to do and what he was trying to do in the base of that midfield. And then he just passed the ball out for a throw-in. And you, and you just sort of, you, you, time and time again, we come back to that, that famous Roy Hodgson meme of just like, oh, for, for goodness sake. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the first half was an entertaining watch. If you're there as a neutral, if you're, you know, if you're, you've got it, I had it on in the Chateau and um, had a, a peace and quiet yesterday wife was out and, and the little one was out so I was sort of very much looking forward to sitting down and watching the game first game I've watched fully like it, with with that sort of um, focus on a Saturday for a while and I enjoyed the first half as a as a neutral it's such a weird thing to say um, we're not neutrals but but sometimes you sort of revert back to there because it, it's easier to sit there and watch a game of football knowing or or, or or expecting us to not get anything from it. It felt quite clear that there wasn't going to be a, a, a swashbuckling comeback for large, large parts. I saw someone on Twitter, I think this is a really good point. It's sort of like, I think, I think it sums up what you and I are saying. It, it, the first half was enjoyable because we very kindly took all the stress out of the situation in the first six minutes. There was, there was nothing to worry about. Like there was no, there was nothing on it. It was like a friendly, there was no... It didn't matter because we take we had taken the stress and the anxiety out of the situation by by just give by surrendering the game for the first eight minutes and then like oh okay let, we can just have a kick around now so yeah it was a bit of a strange one it was it was um, Chris says toss up of what was worse our performance their antics or the officiating later Lewington couldn't stop laughing when the ref gave a goal kick for an obvious corner and then he gave a corner when it should have been a goal kick we're not going to give this much time because. I'm quite consistent with my opinion on officials, as you have said it a million times before, in, in terms of a professional industry that doesn't have professional officiating. There were, there were plenty of suspect decisions, but when it's not biased towards one side or it's not con- comprehensively towards one side, I should say, it's not an excuse. It, it, it's it's the general state of officiating, but we can't complain on this one because there were times like Saidu Khan should have got sent off. You know, first yellow was was a bit silly, and that tackle that he put in that was a yellow. He he should have gone. McCurdy could have easily got two bookings for for dissent. Uh, it, it's it's just it's a bit of a a tiring thing to. And I could hear the fans around me in the Don Rogers. You could feel that. We're losing because of Scott Tallis. Yeah, that's it. But the reality is simply not. Oh, uh, well, you and I have been on this, been round and round this for so, so many times over the last few years. The referee is never the reason you've lost a game of football, ever, ever. And I'm not going to come on 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 any sort of platform and, and moan about a volunteer. Make them professionals and then hold them to account. The, yesterday, did he get some stuff wrong? Of course he did. Did he get some stuff wrong for both teams? Of course. Are referees ever biased? No, they're never biased. That's not yeah. a thing. Um, 
we were lucky to we we genuinely could have had nine men left on the field without complaint and mk dons had i think a stonewall penalty not given first half just after the handball the handball isn't a pen for me it, even if it does hit his hand which i don't think it did it's his hands not in an unnatural position whatever the hell that means and he stood about three inches away from from the from where the shot i think i think that'd be super harsh um but the one at the other end where McCarthy gets too tight on the forward, I, th- I think that's a foul outside the box. Therefore, it should have been a penalty. Khan should have been sent off, and, and McCurdy was lucky to stay on the pitch as well. So I, I, it's it's really not the referee's fault. None of this is. It's easy to blame other people than it is to look at your own your own organisation. I think. Hello, everybody. Summer is here, and when there's no Swindon Town, I do enjoy using my favourite streaming services to watch. You know, the same old comedies I've watched a billion times before. But hey, I love it. Okay, so don't judge. Alas, being away overseas on holiday in the chateau means I have to go without some of those shows until I've returned home. But no more. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lowstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and the link is in the podcast episode description box. Enjoy your summer. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell, Outlook Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager, Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with Muck Delivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Monka tackled Cantona. Cantona reacted strongly as a player must and won it back. But it was the afters. That's what all the fuss is about. Now, here goes Brian Hill. Over to the linesman on the far side. He's going to have a word with Jerry Lee. There's a card coming out. It's red. That was pretty much the first half and there were the loudest yet still very mild boos in the Don Rogers at halftime, which didn't surprise me, but still made me go, oh, okay, this is where our heads are at. Second half then, MTH says second half was one of the worst of the season, except the last five minutes. We've reverted back to being a shambles all over the pitch and Gunning is clueless, just chopping and changing without a plan. No, I'll go as far as saying before Austin scored the consolation, it was a relentlessly dull half of football from both sides because MK Dons didn't need to do anything. Yeah, MK Dons were chilling and we were just horrific. Like that, I agree with MTH there. That that was one of the worst halves of the season. You sit there and watch that second half of football, and and, and you just you just think like, 
where are the patterns of play? Where are the set pieces? I don't mean set pieces in terms of free kicks and corners. I mean every 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 club should be working through. You know, when we break down the right, you go here, you go there, you go there, sort of thing. There was no, there was no. I don't know. Was there a plan, Rich? You, you were in the ground. Could you? Was there anything that you sort of look at that second half and go, "Yeah, I get what we're doing here." It didn't work, but at least there was there's a method or there's a thought process or there's something there. It seems at the moment all we do is just keep putting on forwards. That halftime half change, Rich, what was that? Oh, I don't know. Yet again, I, I, I'm precious about the comment, but when Jamie Russell said, you know, this industry isn't like playing football manager, but you're bringing on a centre forward for a for a midfielder um, at halftime, it's Hail Mary's left, right and centre. It's, it's that horrible buzzword, which we love using. We'll never stop using it. It's just vibe-based. They forget that there's 11 players that have prepped for this because Swindon are so predictable. And, and, and this comes back to my point, right, of like Saturday afternoon is a manifestation of what you do all week. So what did we work on all week? Did we work on a 4-2-3-1 with Drinan as a physical as a physical presence up front and the width coming mostly from the two wide forwards? With the, We know Gunning talks about his fullbacks playing inside the game, so then they, they shouldn't be high and wide. Okay, fine, that's what we're doing. Cool. Yeah, great. Let's do that. Half time. No, what we're going to do is we're going to take the 10 off for a 34-year-old immobile centre forward, even though we've already got an immobile centre forward on the pitch. Okay. Then what are we going to do? Well, I don't know. Just figure it out. So it doesn't, what, what are you doing? What are you doing all week? You must have a plan. But especially when in the second half, you've got McEachern Khan as midfield against Gilby, Kemp, Payne, and Bate. It's, it's just—it's just insane. Um, Claire says awful from start to finish. Midfield non-existent. Shocking goals to concede defensively inept. Where do we go from here? God knows. The, the, the fact of the matter is, a lot of the uh, anger from Swindon fans post this game in the listeners' contributions went to George McEachran, went to Saidu Khan. They didn't have great performances, but they're surely Terry on a hiding to nothing if if they get overloaded like that. They're not being set up for success. We know George McEachern is a good footballer at this level because we've seen him be a good footballer at this level for the last year. So we know Saidu Khan is capable of, of of having really positive impacts on games at this level. They are not dreadful League Two footballers, but they are not being set up for success in any way, tactically, physically, environmentally. They are not being given the conditions for success. That was they were all you could have you could have played prime Perlo and Davids in the middle yesterday. That the way the the team structure was set up meant that we were going to be outnumbered. MK Dons flooded the midfield. They didn't. They they basically didn't start a striker. I think they've got injury problems of their own. So they played like six centre midfielders, <laughs> dominated the ball, got got around you know got got around our our two and outnumbered them every time. Change the shape. If you're gonna, if you want to take McGurk off because the goal he scored on Tuesday took a lot out of him, um, bring on, bring on Kane, and, and match him up and play four three three, a proper four three three. Go, go and put three centre fielders in the middle of the park and try and actually push back in terms of the dominating that area of the pitch. Bringing on Charlie Austin for McGurk just made us weaker in the middle of the park. 
McGurk wasn't amazing in the first half, but he certainly wasn't the, the, the key problem. And actually, he did have, he does have the mobility to drop in and help McEachern and Khan a little bit. Swapping him for Austin just made that middle of the park even more bereft of of bodies and talent and 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 movement, and it just sort of completely took any any chance we had out out of sort of controlling the game. Control was the key word yesterday, Rich, wasn't it? MK Dons were in complete control. The amount of misplaced passes in that second half was insane. Yeah, just just really, really poor individual performances. I think it, it, it's just one of them where when you're tactically really poor, when you're set up really poorly, and when the players play badly, it looks horrific. I think sometimes we over the last few days, few weeks, we've got away with one because they are good footballers in that. There are good footballers in that team, and when when three or four of them have a really good game, you can get away with it. But that didn't happen yesterday. It didn't. Uh, Doug says, I thought we looked slow, lacking energy and outclassed by a far superior team, just couldn't get any momentum. And we still don't seem to be able to take the few chances we create. The ref was dire, but wasn't to blame for our poor game. But the point here, and we're going to cover it again, because everyone's talking about it at the moment, is what on earth has happened to the pitch? It's it's not in a great state. It's, it's gone very League Two. And I stress this so much it's not the individuals that are looking after the pitch that's done this I know a lot of people are attributing our success to our former groundsman but give him the tools give them the tools and they can they can make the improvements yeah I'm not gonna I mean it's bad enough for sitting on a podcast pretending we know about football and business I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I also know about turf rearing (laughs) um (laughs) otherwise that really come for me in the comments yeah look I'm, I'm sure the fella in charge is doing as much as he can with the tools he has, but ultimately, whatever's happening isn't working. He, whether it needs investment in talent, or, talent and bodies, or equipment, or a big investment in summer, I don't know. It's just another, you know, it's almost a physical manifest, a physical embodiment of the club, the club sort of transitioning to non-league. I suppose, <laughs> like that's what it feels like. Um, have they fixed? Have they fixed the club shop? Display. I didn't see the sign. I didn't see if, if the sign's fallen down or, or not. I think uh, Lewis Ward's still when there. When you start, when, when you when you stop caring about stuff like that, you've got really, you, then you really know. You can hide a lot of stuff. You can hide a lot of cutbacks, and you can hide a lot of sort of under resourced departments and a crap club shop and tickets not being not not easy to get hold. You can hide a lot of stuff, but when when the ground starts falling into disrepair, that 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 is such a visible embodiment of everything else, and, and the pitch is part of that at the moment. You know, the faces around the club shop falling apart are still having Lewis Ward plastered all over his air ambulance posters everywhere. It's all you know that that dumping ground in the corner of the um, Stratton Bank and the Don Rogers has been a pet hate of mine for a long time. Just like just tidy it up. What are you doing? Why does it look shit? Like, come on, have some pride. Yeah. Swindon scored at the end, and it was Austin that got his ninth league goal of the season. Injury time looked like it might go our way. There was one bit where McCurdy did a flick over play, and I thought, no, it's not going to happen, is it? And it would have just resulted in a similar reaction to Ginningham, I think, where, like, people are going to 
talk about this being like the great comeback, but it would have been daylight robbery, but it didn't happen. We got a goal, hooray. And then um, MK Don saw it out. They were a little bit wobbly, um, but it was good to see, as I said earlier, some of the old faces. Uh, David says outclassed in midfield, moronic fans booing Payne and Kemp when they were subbed. I thought they got, Kemp got really good response. I thought Jack Payne looked brilliant and Tomlinson and I think uh, MJ Williams came on and it doesn't really matter I shrug my shoulders but Payne was the player I feared when all the all the attention was on Kemp over the last few days but Payne was the one and oh that guy still got it oh man he looked so good didn't he mm-hmm. he just yeah. looks just a level above Geography um, isn't an issue, Terry. He lives in Swindon. It was never the issue, isn't it? It hasn't been the issue all year. They're everything what Michael Flynn says. The issue is we are we have no money and we have a terrible reputation in the game and people don't want to sign for us. No. Let's do Gavin Gunning's post-match then. He said average performance, completely different level of performance compared to the last four games. Uh, the two early goals killed us. Mistake for the first. Lapse in concentration for the second. Don't get the basics right. You don't win games. Against a possession-based team, you're always going to struggle after going two goals down. End of the day, that's football. We didn't get it right. Unfortunately, that's the way it goes. Uh, goalkeeper trying to scissor kick was a bit mad. Uh, they were panicking at the end. Sean McGurk was a bit leggy, being ill, but Tuesday took a <laughs> Tuesday took a lot out of him scoring a goal. It's my fault. Uh, before we would have gone four, five, six, seven goals down. Uh, so that's the one positive. We've got to win games. We've got stocky, stocky next week, which isn't great. I know when I took over, I knew. I was coming into some horrific fixtures, which is football. You can't pick and choose. <laughs> you can't pick and choose can't, when. You can't just lie. <laughs> you can't change the narrative when he was he was saying who was he saying the other week? They ain't all that, you know. But that, that he certainly wasn't talking about them like they were horrific. Post Stockport is when we should see non-enforced substitutions. That's when the season starts, Terry. Ending with saying new signings were players he wanted, but also indicated that this squad isn't his, which was a fun little way to close. So this just feels like classic 23-24 season can-kicking. Um, or is this legitimate trust me or judge me after Tramiel from Tramiel onwards? Well, it's just it's just can kicking, isn't it? Sorry, I've got to come back to the fixtures. Like, <laughs> what is he on about? His first, his I'm, I'm trying to think when he got named. Was it? It was pre Bradford, wasn't it? So his his first three games. So he came in pre Bradford. His first three games were Bradford, Newport, and Salford, which, if I'm not mistaken, were all beneath us in the table. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but he came into a shocking run of fixtures. Mate, there's seven teams in the country worse than us in the Football League, and you played three of them in your first three games. You can't just lie. You can't lie. Like, what is he on about? He he would take the mic from you now and say, but they had better form. What? <laughs> but that's what he would do, wouldn't he? He would say they, they had better form over the last five games or whatever. That's what he would have said. He, he literally just said, I knew I was coming into her uh, to a horrific run of fixtures. That is a lie. Stop lying. You can't just make shit up to get through an interview or make shit up and change what change history or what's actually happening. He's he, he some of the stuff he comes out with, it's just, it's just bollocks. He just says whatever pops into his head in that moment. There's no plan, no, no culture. That's for sure. Like, but 
it's just it's just nonsense, absolute nonsense. Swindon sit in eighteenth, over ten or ten or more of those teams above them with games in hand. Um, since Town's final match of the nine-game unbeaten streak, uh, seventy-two points have been up for grabs, for which Swindon have earned twenty points in the last twenty games. Uh, Town have earned sixteen points from a possible sixty. Uh, in the last 10 games, nine points from a possible 30. And under Gavin Gunning, five points from a possible 15. Paul D says, feels like a lot of fans are gaslighting themselves. We are 18th in the fourth division. We have been getting worse and worse year on year for the last two seasons. And this season, we have patched up the worst squad in recent memory. It's going to get worse until we demand better. Yeah, I think I think that's a perfect summation. I have to um, admit to you, Rich, I don't know what gaslighting means, um, but everything else there, I, I I entirely agree with, and I think is exactly what we've been saying as a collective for for a long time now. This this will continue to get worse because none of this happens by chance. If you stop, if you keep penny pinching, if you keep treating the fans with disdain, if you keep reducing backroom staff and commercial team staff and shop staff and health and strength and conditioning staff and every other department in the football club, you will get worse. If you stop investing in the pitch, the pitch will get worse. Like This is not rocket science. You have to have good people who are good at their jobs in the building doing their jobs and you have to give them the tools and the conditions to do a good job. You you can't just you can't you don't go up on positive mentality. You don't win games on vibe. You just don't. <laughs> well, Terry, gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which the abuser attempts to sow self doubt and confusion in their victim's mind. Okay, cool. Yeah, good on you, Paul D. I think you've nailed it. <laughs> it, it we just it, it's just there are. And I don't want to get into fan wars because that's that's really unhealthy. There, there are some fans in our wider fan base, and this is absolutely within their right, who are okay with where we are right now. And every week that passes, every month that passes, every season that passes with this decline, both on and off the pitch, everybody has their own ticking point, right? Everyone has their own tipping point. And it's not for me or you, Rich, to say, well, you should be angry. You should, You shouldn't you know, you shouldn't be happy with this because we've hit our tipping point, but that person hasn't hit theirs. So, and, and I think I've said, I said this to you off mic when we were talking about protests and do you think anything will happen around the forum? And, and you know, there was some, there was some online chat that seems to have completely gone now again because we signed McCurdy around, around sort of protests and, and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I genuinely think that um, the, the, the the wider rhetoric around the fan base, and I I mean outside of the social media echo chamber, won't change until something seismic happens. There needs to be a a, a big thing that happens. That that big thing will be will be us looking like we're going down next year. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. That's been my rhetoric for a while for the fans to unite on this situation it needs to be seismic it needs to be a season defining points deduction it needs to be criminality it needs to be all the all the worst possible things it needs to be that and I don't want that to happen but that that's the way it's clear it's got to be yeah 
yeah, that, that's the only way the fans come together and and sort of force change. Change might happen organically. You know, there are still rumours that they popped up again this week that there are interested parties but buying the football club. Um, so you know, we, we'll have to wait and see. But in terms of in terms of forcing an exit or, or forcing change, then you know, the, the other sort of big um, unknown in there is is obviously the future of the trust and what that organisation looks like post AGM. Um, I think. Personally speaking, I, I think it's a risky game to assume that post AGM that becomes a really a really sort of slick organised operation again. Um, it, it absolutely can become that post post elections and post new board, but even in the best run organisations, that takes time. Um, and community led organisations full of volunteers aren't known for um, for moving quickly. So. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's really, really going to be an element, for, at least for the rest of twenty four. Oh, some glorious tangents in this episode. Uh, we're three points below the the beamish line for those asking. I feel like we've made light of quite a serious situation, considering that's our lowest ebb. But that's where we are. We'll see how it goes because uh, Ken Beamish's side went on a two-match winning run at this point in their season. Uh, what are you going to do with your week? Are you just going to forget about everything and wait for, for Stocky away? Yeah, all eyes on Stocky away. Um, yeah, I just... I don't know. Like, I don't really think about this club day-to-day much at the moment. Sort of. Oh, Saturday's here. I'll, I'll put the football on. Um, busy lives, travelling with work this week. I'm going to Miami next week, Rich, for... for, for uh, 29 hours oh. um, which is going to be horrific so yeah there's, <laughs> there's enough to keep me out of trouble oh that's nice well Terry thank you very much for, for braving illness to talk about that we haven't done man of the match rich oh my goodness oh well look at the well done um so it went to charlie austin from the listeners there weren't there weren't many it went to charlie austin for caring essentially who are we giving ours to uh, not charlie austin for caring uh, oh god! I wish I, I wish I hadn't done that. I could have got away with one there. Yeah, Dokes got it from the sponsors. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it a fault for either goal? Looked all right. Um, can't think of any. I can't think of anybody more deserving than Dokes. Can you? No, not at all. Terry, thank you very much. Nice one. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on you Reds! Come on Swindon! Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.